Um, if you would, turn your Bibles to John chapter 17. We're going to read verses 6 through 19. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray especially today for um, the sick. We have many people that have texted us this morning that they were not feeling well. They were running fevers, and so they all stayed home. And uh, But we want, to, we want to pray for them. I titled this sermon, um, The Inevitable Conflict. The Inevitable Conflict. So in the first five verses, Jesus prayed that the Father would glorify Him and that He would glorify the Father. In the second few verses, the ones that we're covering today, we're talking about the sanctification of the apostles. And next week, He prays for us. And so as Jesus prayed these, this prayer um, for His disciples, I don't think they got it. I don't think they were totally getting it. But I I believe what was happening is Jesus is sowing a word into their heart that they're going to remember. And I think the day that they're going to remember it is on the day of Pentecost. On the day when the Holy Spirit came, all this stuff that He was sowing into their heart and to their life was going to start to make sense. You know, you know, the Lord may be sowing things in your heart and your life today that doesn't make sense, but it will soon. Can you receive that? So don't dismiss it. You hang on to it. Because God's going to bring it back around. He's going to say, this is what I meant. This is what I meant. So in verse 6, he said, I have manifested your word to the men you gave me. You have given me out of the world. They are yours and you have gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words Uh, which you have given me, and they have received them, and they have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed me, I have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine. Sort of like what a wife tells her husband, right? Everything you have is mine, and everything I have is mine too. No. (laughs) He says, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. And they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have given me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have the have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. There's a lot there, guys. Jesus, we just come before you today. What a precious prayer that you have prayed for your disciples. Lord, it's not the one that I would have prayed. Probably not the one that any one of us would have prayed in here. But it's the right prayer because you prayed it. Father, it's just glorious to know 
that you have chosen us, God. That you, that God alone has brought us into the kingdom, Father. And we're so thankful, Lord, that our salvation is from you and we rejoice in that. I pray, Father, Lord, that you would do a work today in our heart of encouragement, a work, Father, of separation. And Father, as we think about all those that are not in the building with us today, those that are uh, sick in body, God, we just pray the word that says that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals them. Lord, you said that you sent your word and you healed them. So Father, we believe that the word of God, we believe that Lord, you said the blood that saves us also heals us. So, Father, we believe and appropriate the word today for everyone that's sick in body. And we believe that right now their bodies are going to turn and they are walking in healing instead of sickness. God, all the fever will be broken. Lord, whatever disease it is, Father, we pray right now, Lord, that it would be broken off of their life and the health and the life of God would enter their bodies, Father. So we reject what the enemy is trying to do, and we speak the word over them, the word that brings life. Father, hear us today and be with us. Lead us and guide us. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He starts off and Jesus is praying for them. Much of this, I am sure the disciples were like, what? No, no, don't, don't pray that over us. They, they were not receiving at this point that it was a good thing that Jesus leave. I mean, they just could not receive that. They were believing that, Lord, you need to set your kingdom up right here, right now. But that was not what God had intended. He says, I have manifested your name to them. The word manifested means to make visible, clear, or known. I have made clear your plan. I have made clear your name to the disciples and to keep them through your name. You know, to us, when we have a child, we just stick whatever, whatever name we think or find in the baby book. Well, that sounds fun. And we stick that name on them, but a name meant more in the Old Testament, right? A name reflected character, reflected who they really were and what they were going to be about. Well, it's the same way with Jesus. His name reflects his, his character, his attributes. When Moses was being led as the deliverer and God was revealing himself to him, he asked God this, he said, who am I going to tell them that sent me? You know, our names are very important, right? I mean, when you meet someone new, what's the very first thing that you do? My name is Eric. What's your name? We want to exchange names. We, we want to sort of know who we're dealing with, what you're all about. And God spoke to Moses and he said, you tell them that the I am. I love that name. The I am God. Because the I am means whatever you need when you need it, right? And it's John then that comes through in John and he says, here's the name of Jesus. I am the bread. I am the light. I, I am the vine. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth and the life. 
So Jesus revealed to who he was to his disciples by his name. Right? He was trying to tell them, look and examine my name. This is who I am. I've told you many times on the I am's, the one that I love the most is the one that I did not understand at all. It's where Jesus says, I am the door. (laughs) And then I realized doors are wonderful. Doors keep things out and they bring things in. Jesus is the door of our salvation. He protects us by being the door that keeps the enemy out. Hallelujah. But he's also the door that opens up, that allows the goodness of God to come in. To allow the peace of God to come in. Everything we need in earth, everything we need for life, we find in Jesus. If only we would quit looking elsewhere. Quit searching the world for the things that we think are going to... I promise you, money is a God in America, but it's not my God. It presents itself as a God. It says this, if you'll just give more money, you'll have less problems. That's not true. Oftentimes, more money is going to lead to problems. Everything that the world says, this is what you need. You need more education. You need more of this. You need more of that. Folks, don't be deceived. God is the answer to our problems. We need more Jesus in our life. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that that um, Israel knew God's acts, but Moses knew his ways. See, this church, you know my wife's acts, and she's acting a lot. No, <laughs> you know she can sing. You know she can play the piano. You know her acts, but I know her ways. I know when she's across the room and she cuts them eyes at me, I know I'm in trouble right there. She didn't say a word, but I know, buddy, you better get your act together. I know her ways. Folks, I think it's time that the church don't just know the acts of God, but we begin to know His ways. We push in just a little bit more to find, you know, they were all about the law and keeping the law. They knew the law. They didn't understand grace. They didn't understand how good he was, how good he is. And therefore, when when things would happen, they didn't run to him, they ran away from him. Why? Because they didn't know his goodness. They didn't know how wonderful he is. Oftentimes when we pray, we pray like this. Oh God, I'm such a terrible person. Is that not right? Because Satan has been talking to us. And he's telling us everything that we've done wrong. And Jesus said, let's get that out of the way. Now come on. Come on. Come on closer to me where I can just love you a little bit. Where I can restore. I believe that is such a word from the Lord. I want to restore your soul today. I want you to leave with joy in your heart. The name of God is important. He says, I've... I've made visible your name. But then he says, I've given them your word. The word is where we find life. Now I'm going to talk more about the word in just a a little bit later in this sermon. But he says that he has given us his word. The word of God is what changes your mind. 
You know, you have been trained to think and to act a certain way. And then you run into the word of God. And the word of God begins to show you that's not exactly right. I want to change that. The Bible says that God's word does not return void, but it accomplishes every purpose. I said one Wednesday night that my grandfather knew the word, but he was a heathen. He knew the word like a science book or a history book. And one lady came up to me and she said, she had a little problem with that. She said, that just didn't jive with me. She said, did he not know the Lord? I said, he did at the end. He did give his heart to Jesus towards the end of his life. Um, And she said, there it is. I forgot to share that. But she said, the word of God does not return void. And he knew that word. It had to work in his heart. And I thought, that's right. That's exactly right. So he did find, find Jesus towards the end. The Bible says that flowers in the fields of the, the world will fade away, but my word will never fade away. Do you know we'll be speaking the word of God in heaven? Do you know it's the word of God that holds everything together? According to, I think it's Hebrews. I know it's Hebrews. I just don't know where it's at. It's chapter 1, verse 3, I believe. Everything is held together by the word of His power. By the word. You today are being held together by the word and the power of God. Right? He, the, the, the word of God is, is nev- never returns void. Today we are still Everything we see and hear is still being held together by the Word. Because God spoke the Word and created it. That Word is still out there. You know the great exciting thing about that? He made us in His likeness. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And so we have that, that power also. Talking about the name of the Lord, I want to go back for just a second. In Proverbs 22.1. He says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, loving favor rather than silver or gold. A good name. How many people chooses money or chooses things when really what we need to establish is our name? That our, what does your name mean in this community? When people hear your name, do they say, that's a person that loves Jesus? There was a van for sale the other day. It looked like a good deal. And I texted the board and I said, hey, this van's for sale. Only one deacon commented. And he I won't mention where it was at. But he said, you got to watch that dealership. And the, it was over just like that. Nobody else made another comment. We never went further with it. Why? Because that man had a name. Are you following me? That wasn't a good name in this community. It was a name that he'll get you if he, if you can, right? You, you've established your name. When my kids turned 18, I, I got them together one at a time and I would have this talk to them and I would say this, I have given you a good name. Now what you do with it from this point on as an adult, you'll be judged by what you do with it. But up to this point, This name means something good in the community. I hope that you will protect your name. 
Well, there is a name that's higher than Kelleher. You follow? There is a name that we bear. See, we are known as Christians. Christ-like. Let's bear the name with honor. Right? So that when people of this world hear that we are a Christian, it speaks volumes. It says they are people of trust. They are people of truth. They won't lie to you. They're hard workers. They Why? Because we bear the name of Christ. Christian means Christ-like. So he says, I've, I've made your name known, and I've, I've, I've given them your word. And then he says, the third thing I've got, I don't like it. He says, I pray for them, not the world. I'm not worried about the world. See, some of you would be a whole lot better off if you'd quit worrying about the world and you'd start just concerning yourself with God. He said, I've not prayed for the world. I'm praying for them. And here's my prayer. I'm not praying that you take them out. I'm praying that you make them effective where they're at. I see that and I say, no, 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 God. Just take me out. Just bring me home, right? You know, you know it's entirely possible that if God wanted you to live in a bubble, He could. I say, wrap me up in, in bubble wrap, Jesus. Wrap me up so tight that, that nothing can harm me. And He says, but that's not the best. I can't accomplish my purpose. Are you listening to me? I cannot accomplish my purpose in you if you're wrapped in bubble wrap. I've got to expose you to the enemy's darts because you are going to grow stronger as the adversary takes a shot at you. But I don't like it. I don't like it. Say, Pastor, I don't know that I agree with that. Do you remember Israel during the plagues? I think it was the first four plagues Israel went through. But after that, five through ten, the Bible says all those in the land of Goshen were protected. The plagues hit everybody in Egypt except for this little section where the Israelites lived. Now, I don't know how you see that in your mind. But I see God is taking His hand and cupping it over Gosha. You, you know the Bible, the Bible says that the earth is like God's footstool. God, God, our God is so big. It would be nothing for God to cup His hand over us and protect us. But we would never grow. We would be two-year-olds all of our life. You know what a two-year-old's like. I want what I want, and I want it now. Is that not the way of Christians? We're immature. And God says, you got to get this whole thing. God says, I am leaving you here. I have represented God on the earth, but I'm leaving. Listen, listen, listen. I'm leaving you in charge. Oh, dear God. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> he left. In other words, I have represented my Father perfectly. I don't speak unless He tells me what to speak. I do it perfectly. And now I'm leaving and you are going to take over my mission. 
So I'm not praying that God removes you from this earth. I'm praying that you will overcome the evil one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No temptation taking you, but such as is common to man that God will make a way of escape. But sometimes you've got to look for that way of escape. Right? No? <laughs> I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Sometimes you've got to... <laughs> Forgot who was in the church today. <laughs> 1 John chapter 5 says, we know that we are children of God. Do you know that? Do you know that? Are you absolutely confident that I am His Son? Because here's what I'm thinking. I have three sons. And I would lay my life down for any one of them at any moment of the day. If they need a kidney, I'd give them a kidney. They may not want it because it may have stones in it. <laughs> are you following my train of thought? So you are God's son. God will give you what you need to get through this life. He says, we know that we're children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Satan is in control of this world. I was watching Perry Stone this morning for just a minute and he was talking about all the thunderstorms and the things and he said, why are we surprised at that? Saints control that. But greater is he that's in us. That's why Jesus could stand on the boat and said, peace be still and the winds and the waves obey him. Hallelujah. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God. Because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and He is eternal life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glory... I'm reading now the NLT. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. We get so frustrated at unbelievers. We don't need to get frustrated. Unbelievers, my brother said this, he said, dogs bark and cats meow and sinners sin. Why get frustrated with them when they're doing what their nature says? What we need to do is pray that God would open their eyes so that they could see right now they're blinded. They don't see Christ like you see Him. When they think about Jesus, when they think about church, they're seeing religion. And religion doesn't help people. It binds them up, actually. So we need to pray. When you go to work, you should pray for those that you work with that are not believers. God, open their eyes. Let them see the truth of Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, Jesus prayed that my joy would be fulfilled in them. You know God cares about that? Come on now, I'm telling you, Jesus prayed a handful of things over His disciples, and one of the things that He prayed was that they would walk in His joy. God cares that you walk in joy. 
What does joy mean? Oh, <laughs> it's so good. That's not joy. That's just being silly. Joy is confidence. Joy says in the worst of circumstances, I know he's still in control. So I'm not shaken by what I go through because my God is able to deliver me, right? Remember the four Hebrews? You can throw us into that fiery furnace, but we're still not bowing to you because we know the true God. And He is able to deliver us. I I wish that we would have the confidence of those four Hebrews that when we're going through the fire, we would say, I know my God can deliver me. He may choose not to, but I know He can. So I will be full of joy because my God is in control. Joy is like a magnet. It draws people to you. People want to sit at the table where everybody's laughing. They don't want to sit at the table where everybody looks like they're sucking on lemons. (laughs) Get me to the table that laughs a lot. Habakkuk, minor prophet, which means his book was a little smaller than most of them. Doesn't mean that he was less important. He prayed this at the end of his book. Now you've got to remember, this is a totally agricultural society. And he says, even though the fig trees have no blossom, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop has, has failed, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle um, barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful and the God of my salvation. Folks, last night, prayer service was difficult. I mean, there was such an oppressive spirit in the place. I knew we've got to pray this off. And what we did is we praised it out of here. (laughs) I'm speaking a good word to you. I'll sing hallelujah in the middle of the storm. What what are you going to do in the middle of your storm? Are you going to get all anxious and worried? What am I going to do? No, no, no. That's not the time to fall apart. It's the time to put your praise on. It's the time to get serious with prayer. And trust God. I don't care what I'm going through. At the moment, He will see me through. Will He allow me to go through some difficult days? Absolutely. Because He's perfecting you. And He wants, listen to me, He wants to perfect your patience. It's just like I cussed in service right there, wasn't it? (laughs) In your patience possess ye your soul. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you rest in Him. Does that make sense to you? There are times in life when you've done the will of God, you've done everything you know to do. Paul says in Ephesians 6, when you've done everything you know to do, just stand. Don't back up. Don't Just stand. Stand ye therefore. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Are you following me? I'll never figure it all out and you won't either. 
I don't know. You know the age-old question, why do good people go through bad things? I don't know. But I know God doesn't let us go through anything that He won't turn it for your good. He won't prepare you and preserve you and get you through it. Why? Because He loves you. He loves you enough not to wrap you up in bubble wrap. See, in our minds, we said, no, 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 just wrap me up in bubble wrap. I I can remember when I was a kid and uh, I would come to the altar and I'd pray and what we called back in then, those days, praying through. In other words, it meant that we had been a heathen all week and we finally get in our act together with the Lord. And then I would say this, Lord, just take me home right now because I know I'm right with you. But if you let me out of these doors, and I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Take me home right now. Well, he never did that. And I'm thankful. Are you following me? Amen. Jesus has left us here on purpose. And that purpose is to represent Him. So He says, As I have glorified the Father, now I want you to glorify the Father. And we found out that word glorify means to make Him known. In the the right character, exactly who He is. Now it's my job to show the world how good God is. You think You may think, well that's... Everybody knows that. No, they do not. Most Americans believe God is just waiting to get them. He just wants to strike them with a lightning bolt. That's not God. They, they know the law. They don't know grace. God loves them, wants to save them. He says in verse 17, praying for His disciples, He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's not a salvation thing. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. That's what He cares about. He wants you to look like His Son. He wants you to be Christ on earth. Now I know some of you are thinking, you're getting into heresy. No, I'm not. Not at all. I didn't say you are Christ. There is one Jesus there's one, one Lord, one Savior, one Holy Spirit, but we are His sons. And He left us here on purpose, and that's to represent the Father. In 1 Thessalonians, this may seem oversimplified, so I want to just read a couple of verses to you. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more for you. Remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sins. Then each of you will control his body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his ways. It is a shame when the church looks just like the world. Thank you. We have been called to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. Right? We are set apart from this world. 
for a specific purpose. That's holiness. In Revelation verse 2, we read this on Wednesday night. And Jesus is speaking to the church at Thyatira. He says, I know all the things you do, and I've seen your love, your faith, and your service, your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things, but I have this complaint against you. You're permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants away. She teaches them to commit sexual sins and to eat food offered to idols. Jezebel is not a person. It's a spirit. That spirit can be in men and it can be in women, but it's a manipulative, controlling spirit and it's really prevalent in our church today. I'm not talking about Bridge of Hope. I'm talking about the body of Christ. There is a spirit of Jezebel telling the body, it doesn't matter how you live. We got Christians jumping in bed with, with other people. They... Well, you know, I was married for 50 years and my wife died. Now I can do anything I want to. No, you can go and you can go to hell too. It matters how you live. Don't listen to the prevailing spirit of this world. The spirit of this world says it doesn't matter how you live, but God says, yes, it does. I want you to be pure. I want you to be holy and I want you to represent me to the world. You know they've even tried to say that Jesus was homosexual or was having an affair with Mary. Why? Because they can't stand the holiness of Jesus. They want to bring Him down to the level of a man. Don't bring Christ down. Let's go up to meet Him, huh? Let's, Let's keep Him high and lifted up, pure and holy, and let us be holy like He is holy. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I always wondered, what does that word reproof mean? I know what correction means. But you know, you know that we can fool ourselves. Do you know that we can... We can believe that everything is all right. That the way I'm living is okay. But the Holy Spirit will reprove you in love. He will say, that's not good. What you're doing is not right. That's not holy. You need to get it out of your life. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. How does the Holy Spirit do that? He does it through the Word. The Word reproves us, lets us know. My, Have you ever got in the presence of God and all of a sudden you thought, Oh my, something wrong here. Lord, show me. Show me what's going on in my heart. We can fool ourselves, but you can't fool the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit sees you, knows you, and He loves you enough to reprove you and then correct you. Nobody likes correction. But if it's a difference in hell and heaven, I say, correct me all you want to, Holy Ghost. Right? Correct me. Keep me headed towards life. The last thing he told them, he says, as you have sent me, now I send them to glorify you. You, listen to me, you are Christ's ambassador on this earth. 
you will represent Christ. You know, you've heard this statement before. You may be the only Bible that anyone reads. How's it reading? (laughs) Is it reading truth? Are you telling them it doesn't really matter what you live like? You know, that is the prevailing teaching of the world, right? doesn't matter what you live like. It does. I promise you it does. Live holy. Be holy. Walk holy. Speak correctly. Speak with love. In 1 Timothy 4, he says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from their true faith, and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their conscience are dead. That's what I'm telling you. We are in the last days. And the, the teaching of the world is it doesn't matter. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last day there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Isn't it interesting how he throws disobedient to their parents in the middle of all these other things? We would not include that in our list, would we? Let me talk to you for a second. We are called to honor mom and dad all the days of our life. You're called to obey them. And I know you have the same spirit that I do. There's something in you that I just want to do it my own self. I want to do it my way. Am I speaking right? But you have got to say, but I'm going to listen to you, mom and dad. I want to be obedient to you. Now, if your mom and dad is telling you to go out and buy them drugs or something like that, that's when you've got to say, no, I'll, I'll not do that. But as long as they're teaching you truth, we need to do those things. He says they'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. You turned your TV on lately? Nothing is sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than, than loving God. They'll act religious, but they reject the power that make them godly. Stay away from people like that. The world and the church are splitting. For a long time, we have sort of walked with them, even though God called us to come out from among them and be separate. But for a long time, it didn't look too different. But today, it is different. The church has got to move away from the ways of the world. Are you hearing me? And that's called holiness. That's called sanctification. Why? Because time is short and you are representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And people's salvation is the most important thing in their life. And we need to point them to the the way to Christ. Christ is the only way. You hear me? There's not many ways to salvation. There's one way. 
There's one way, and he is it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to portray him in the correct manner so we cannot live like they're living and be speaking about Jesus. When we were coming to church today, I told my wife, I said, I don't want to get legalistic on this. I don't want to get harsh because I, I have that tendency. I, I grew up <laughs> very legalistic and I can fall back into that real easy. I'm, I'm trying not to be legalistic, but I'm trying to tell you the truth. You know, one day I will stand before God and I'll give an account for you. The Lord will look at me and say, how'd you do with Derek? And I'll say, I taught him the truth. I taught him your word. But I'm not alone in this. The Lord's going to call you to give an account also. Every one of us. We have our own pulpit. Are you listening to me? God has given you a sphere of influence to represent him. You cannot look like them. And then tell them about a different way. They'll be saying, will you do everything that I do? Have you not heard them say that about the church? You people are in the bar with me on Saturday night. And now you're preaching me something different. Now I'm getting legalistic. (laughs) If I keep going, I'll get worse. I promise. He's calling us out. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. And you are chosen by God. You are here because God has chosen you to be here to show you salvation so that you could tell others how good God is. Amen. Would you stand with me? This is the prayer that Jesus prayed. There's a verse that says this, that He's called us to shine like the light in a dark world. There's one family here that every day when I pray for them, I pray this prayer for them. Lord, let them shine like light in that dark world. Let them glorify you. We should make it clear like he did. Make it clear. We should walk in joy. Any of you need a a joy hit this morning? (laughs) We should walk in the word and we should walk in holiness. I believe that it's time that we repent. I believe it's time that we get some stuff out of our hearts. So I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you as the Holy Spirit has revealed to you maybe some things where you have allowed Satan to come into your heart and and he has told you, well, that doesn't matter. But the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, he begins to say, but that does matter. That does matter because it's not holy. I hope that you hear. I'm not preaching condemnation to you. I'm preaching that God wants to convict you. Conviction is a wonderful thing. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit convicts you to the point that you'll say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I need you. But as believers... What if there's something in your life that Jesus says, you can't go to your destination with this. 
I, I can't take you any further as long as you hold on to this. Is it not worth giving it up? Don't you want to reach your destination in Christ? I do. Because that's where we'll find true joy. Father God, I come before you today and I have delivered your word to them in the best of my ability. God, I have tried to let you just speak through me. God, I've tried not to become legalistic, God, but just to allow the Spirit of God to convict our hearts. Lord, I believe that you have done that. I believe right now there are things that are popping up in our minds that we are saying, man, I I need to get rid of that. I need to lay that down. I need to change my ways in this area. God, you said in in our weakness, you're made strong. I pray, Father, right now that you would come alongside of us and enable us to overcome where the evil one has taken us captive. God, I pray for the person that's captive in their thoughts. And all they hear is condemnation. All they hear is how they're not enough and how they're not good enough and how they're not ever going to amount to anything. God, I, I pray that those words would be brought down in Jesus' name. And they would understand how how much you love them and how powerful you are. That you, you with them, Lord, you can make them an overcomer regardless of what it is, God. They will overcome with you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, reveal yourself to each and every person. God, I pray for that person that's so religious that they can see nothing wrong in themselves. They think they're perfect and everybody needs to look like them. God, the, it's the pride of life. It's the slickest of sins when Christians begin to think that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. God, if pride is working, I pray right now, Lord, that you would expose that evil sin so that we can get it out of our heart. I pray that if there's unforgiveness, God, in our hearts, Lord, expose that. Lord, get it out of our hearts. Lord, help us to forgive others as you forgive us. God, whatever the sin, whatever the thing that's working, God, reveal it so that we can get it out of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've asked Roy if he would come and dismiss us. Denny is one of them that had a fever this morning. So... Pray for Denny, pray for Jill, John Jasper, Deb Jasper. There's so many that are sick. So just, you might want to just pray for the body of Christ that they walk in healing. Brother. Remember the safety meeting right as we conclude service today and uh, Also, again, March 17th, the annual business meeting, and that's going to be done during the Sunday school hours from 9 to 10. So so mark that on your calendar. So, amen. If you would, raise your hand with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace with nothing missing and nothing broken. Now go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.